what I hate. I hate how sex is viewed in our society. I hate it. I hate it because that is not how God designed sex. That is not how God designed this beautiful gift that he has given us. He has given us a sex drive for marriage. He's given us this want and for sex because of marriage and because of two becoming one in this covenant, this, this intimate moment. I had a lot of questions and ultimately I found myself beating myself up for like, no, you said you're celibate and why are you making out? Why are you tempting him? Why? It was so, it was so back and forth. But in that process, I saw the hurt that I was doing to myself that I was like, this is not okay. You have to choose one. So I was like, ah, we ain't waiting till marriage. <laughs> Some Christians are so damn horny that they will rush to get married just so they can have sex. And I didn't want to do that. Yeah, we're talking about God and sex. And yes, when I say we, oh, I mean all of us. To this day, I still wonder, like, am I actually asexual or have I just suppressed my sexual feelings for so long that I really don't even know how to tap into that part of me? Does God really care about your sex life? And if yes, does that also mean that God can help you have the best sex of your life? Lots to discuss, so stay with me, please, because we're going there after this. Lovers and friends, I'ma take you on a trip, baby, I don't pretend, I said. Lovers and friends, I'ma hold you down, down to the end, I said. Welcome to Lovers and Friends, a podcast that explores intimacy in all of its glorious, gas-worthy, terrific, and taboo facets. I'm Shan Boudram, your host who's been working as a public-facing sex and relationship educator for the past 18 years. Now, that's a pretty nutty statement, right? I have been talking about this topic purposefully, passionately, and publicly for more than half of my life. And want to hear something even nuttier? In that time. I have never really talked about what we are covering in this episode, even though it has played a huge role in my and likely many of our intimate lives. So growing up, I was always taught that sex should be between a woman and a man who are married. And I wrestled with that a lot. I also was not straight. And well, I am not straight. And that also was just the cherry on top of the cake when it comes to how much I used to feel so much shame and so much guilt. As an adult, I still have issues tapping into that sexual side, that lustful side. Um, It's hard for me to be sensual or to see myself as sexy. I was raised as one of Jehovah's Witnesses. It's something that actually got me shunned away from the religion because I had sex before marriage with a unbeliever. Coming from Taiwan and a very traditional family, we didn't really talk about sex much. All I learned was that our purities were really important because i remember crying after losing my virginity because i was like oh my god i'm no longer pure and i was very accepting of it only because i knew that if i were to follow that formula i would get what i wanted in the end i would have a husband and i would be happy but after doing more digging within the bible and i learned that this desire shouldn't be a stumbling block and that God created sex. Sex is good. So I started to really take it as a joke with what I was being preached. Yeah, I just didn't take it seriously anymore in order to make my relationship with 
God and, and sex go hand in hand. God is now a part of my sex life because my current truth is that every expression comes from God. Sexuality and creativity go hand in hand. And in order to step into that, I have to listen to the way my body contracts and expands. This is the way that God communicates. And it's a process. Some days I'm good at it, I get it. And some other days I'm right back to Catholic upraising or feeling ashamed about feeling good or feeling ashamed about my body. Okay, so why have I avoided this topic? Short answer, because I'm terrified of it. Not terrified of God knowing what I actually think about it, because I've gotten over that fear a long time ago, and I'll explain what I mean on that later, but really terrified of ostracizing or offending those who devoutly follow the Bible and its teachings, because I know for many faith-based people who follow my work, you can justify that you can because I'm educating, not editorializing intimacy, especially not in regards to God's role in it. But what I've learned over the years, and especially in making this episode, is that you almost have to editorialize if you ever want to talk about God and sex since, well, to my knowledge, God's not guesting on podcasts. But... I really want to cover this topic, and so many of you have asked me indirectly or directly to do so. So let's do this. And by this, to clarify, I mean, let's issue out two disclaimers before we really get started. Disclaimer one, what you're going to get in this episode is a small bunch of people's perception of what God has said to them, either through the Bible or their own spiritual relationship, about what role sex should play in their life. Furthermore, how much God's opinion on this matter really means to them. Disclaimer two, the purpose of this episode is to give you food for thought, not an instruction on what or how you need to be eating. Disclaimer three, in this episode, the primary guests are speaking about the Christian God and Jesus. Now, with that being said, before we get into people's perceptions and interpretations, I want to get us grounded from the Bible. More accurately, I want to get someone else to try and give us this grounding since even after a decade plus of Catholic school mixed with Christian church, I am still not totally sure what the Bible exactly says about sex. So here's someone who is. Tara Tang is an embodiment coach who works in the intersections of spirituality and sexuality. We look at the Bible as a single book, when in reality, it's a library of many books written over hundreds of years by many authors. Now, there's a lot of misconceptions about what the Bible says about sex. Mainstream Christianity widely teaches a rule against sex outside of marriage, calling it fornication. Much of Christian teaching today is also against non-heterosexual and monogamous relationships and sexual experiences. However, context, as we've already established, is important when interpreting the Bible. Even in the case of consensual relationships, mainstream Christianity teaches us not to arouse or awaken love until it so desires, using a text in Song of Songs as a rule not to have sex outside of marriage. But with the correct context, we see that Song of Songs is actually a book on erotic poems written by a young woman to her lover, and they are not married. The Bible has a lot of different rules on how to manage our biological drives. There's rules on who we can have sex with, circumcision, menstrual care, and where men are allowed to ejaculate. The Bible warns against lusting and sexually objectifying another person, as well as cautions against adultery and non-ethical relationships. There's a lot of rules and a lot of expectation to do the right thing, 
But again, if we read with context and strip down to the reasoning behind each rule, we see that the rules of the Old Testament are about purity codes and cultural survival, while the rules of the New Testament is about loving on one another and not doing harm. When it comes to loving each other and not doing harm, this is a good personal sexual ethic for all of us. So when we reframe this way of thinking, away from using the Bible to control, judge, and shame us for our sexuality, then we can experience a more liberated and expansive view of spirituality and sexuality that offers guidance on how to love and care for one another and how not to do harm. Updates since the Bible happen every single day with each of our experiences with God. And this is why it's important to remember that the people who wrote the Bible were documenting their own personal experiences with the divine. They had spiritual experiences and we can too. Even Jesus said before he went up to heaven that we will do even greater things than he did. We're all interconnected and life is meant to be a continuation of the stories we read in the Bible. Sarah helps people find their way back to their bodies, overcome shame, heal trauma, and dismantle purity culture in a way that's in alignment with their values and beliefs so that they can build a healthy sexual ethic and thrive in freedom and wholeness. If that sounds as good to you as it does to me, you can follow her on her socials at Miss Tara Tang or go to Tara Tang, that's Tang with an E, dot com. Okay, for the first time ever... I want to tell you about my belief system on God and religion and how it relates to my sex life. Why? Because I feel like we're close and I want to share this with you, even if it means you vehemently disagreeing with me. So my belief system has changed a few times in my life. I grew up Catholic, got baptized, confirmed a whole nine, but I didn't like the undercurrent vibe of the Catholic church's teachings, leaders, heck, even to songs. You know what vibe I'm talking about. So I stopped following that religion while I was still in my Catholic high school. Shout out to St. Mary's and Pickering. I then went through a period of devout Christianity in my late teens because my sister did. But I stopped attending after she'd had some pretty negative experiences with fellow quote unquote disciples. Then in my early 30s, led by my friend Maya Washington, a.k.a. Shameless Maya, who was also the guest on this episode, I started going to a church weekly again at a non-denominational Christian church called Mosaic. But... I stopped doing that when I felt like my relationship with God through the pastor's guidance became codependent in a way that I didn't like or see benefiting me. So where does that leave me today? Well, currently, because I enjoyed changing my mind with new experiences and information, currently, I believe I have zero clue what's going on. I also believe that I don't need to have a strong opinion on the existence, relevance, or role of God. I mean, I definitely admire people who know that there is a God and even those who feel that they know that there is not. But for me, I don't feel drawn to either camp, which I guess people can interpret as a bad thing. Allah, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Or the Bible's negative opinion on those who, like myself, are lukewarm. But in all my life, giving it up to not knowing has led to my happiest and most at peace relationship with spirituality. That means I take responsibility for myself, my choices, and my future, while also taking in tons of guidance from a variety of perspectives on how to live and be a positively contributing human being. God, aka people's perception of God's will, is definitely on my guidance radar, but no, it's not my personal compass. So while I can't call myself a follower in the same breath, I am a deep admirer of the idea that there is something 
or someone, because again, I don't know, that does know what's going on and why. A greater being that's inexplicably great, like no other words kind of great. So when I'm riding downhill on a bike on a gorgeous summer day and the wind is pushing my eyes and hair back so I can see it all, I say out loud, God is in this moment. When I'm with people and we're talking and we're laughing and vibing and exchanging and receiving, I say, oh my gosh, God is in this moment. When I see my daughter do something for the first time, when I taste something genuinely divine, when I can't believe my luck, and also when I'm having an incredible orgasm or experiencing a really good sensation of any kind through sex, I say, God is in this moment. For the record, Yes, I'm aware that I'm not using good or great in its intended biblical form. But personally, I do believe that I honor God when I engage in consensual, happy, bomb sex with or without a partner. I also believe that who I'm having sex with has less to do with honoring God than the kind of sex I'm engaging in. Meaning really great mutual sex with a complete stranger that honors the potential of the body and the most sacred relationships of the hypothetical people involved is more God's will than duty sex between a husband and wife. Like you. Okay. Okay. I love you. Go. Oh. Go. All right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh oh. You don't even need me, do you? This belief system, although admittedly deeply troubling to some, has allowed me to separate shame from pleasure and also allowed me to integrate God into the sex life that I love. Bringing God into the bedroom is a concept I learned from Brenda, who goes by God is Gray on Instagram and YouTube. I distinctly remember the first time I walked into a bedroom and determined this time I'm not going to leave God outside of the bedroom. I was not going to leave any piece of myself, any piece of anything that I believed was important or valuable about me, especially my spirituality, outside waiting for me to stop having sex and then be acceptable to God again. And in the aftermath, instead of crawling across the floor and begging for forgiveness and hating myself for being so dang horny, I checked in with myself. I referred to my body as a she. I said, how are you doing, girl? I love you. How did that feel? And without the shame and the pain and the fear of this purity monster that my church had built up, I was able to intuit what sex really meant to me. Brenda, who once again goes by God is Gray on both Instagram and YouTube, I highly suggest that you follow, has impacted my opinion on Sex and the Saints a lot. And so has the other guest that I am so hyped to bring into this conversation. First up, Maya Washington, aka Shameless Maya. Maya is a creative producer and digital talent with over 2 million followers across her social media accounts. People follow Maya to be inspired, to learn about her growing family, to get DIY tips, tech tips, and to be in the company of a devout follower of Christ. Maya was famously abstaining from sex until marriage, and back in 2017, I interviewed her on this topic for my YouTube channel. I was like, you know what, my life isn't where I want it to be. Um, I've been distracted by men, like drama, all of this. And I'm like, okay, cut all of that out. Um, God, hook me up. If I give up sex, if I give up guys, um, can you at least help me? So then fast forward to like three months later, then my life is like changing. I'm like, what the hell, what's going on? And then God's like, <laughs> remember that deal we made? And I'm yeah. like, oh my God, yes! can't do that like I can't like ruin the plan and then I came out to LA I was like you got to keep on track Maya no boys no sex just focus on your work so where is she at today on the topic of God and sex hi Maya hi Shannon 
This topic would make me sweat bullets. Um, and I know it's been a while since you've talked about it on YouTube. So I'm curious how you feel talking about God and sex. Yeah, I haven't talked about it. Uh, and I think I'm due to talk about it. So this is a perfect opportunity. Because the last time that you and I spoke about this together, we were talking about your journey of celibacy. And so much has changed since that point. But before we get to where you are now, I want to go back to go forward. So if you can recall, what was the earliest teachings that you learned about God's will and sex? Uh, well, I was born and raised in a strict Catholic Filipino household, and I had no one to turn to to talk about sex. And so my experience about it was God is over here with my mom and sex is over here with the demons. So then you grew up heavily influenced by the Catholic Church. Did you take that on as like a personal value system or it was like, this is what school says, this is what my mom says. It's very different from how I feel and how I act. It's an interesting question. I don't know if I had enough perception. I just knew I had a personal relationship with God. And then I had my understanding of God from the church. And so the assumption is you don't have sex until marriage. But my mom was a single mom. She wasn't married and she had me and my brother. So it's a bit of a gray area where God and sex come in. And it was a question I had throughout my young adult life well into my first and now second marriage. Oh, tell me, what was the question that you've had this entire time? So going into my first serious relationship with my then partner, um, we immediately had sex. <laughs> In my head, I was telling myself, oh, this is someone I can see myself marrying, therefore it's okay. Um, we went through that relationship which resulted in a marriage which turned into a divorce and eventually when I left that I had a period of recovery where I just abstained from all beings <laughs> and just was focused on myself and then I was like you know what I'm gonna have fun and so I went on my binge which was like a handful of guys and I was having fun but i also got burned in the process so in that experience i started to ask myself what would happen if i abstained from sex and then i had a conversation because i like to have conversations with god and i'm like if i give up sex you better hook me up and so i then went on this whole celibate journey and god definitely hooked me up in a superficial, materialistic, financial way. I know what God has said about sex. I mean, I, like you, went to Catholic school, so we were taught no masturbation, no sex before marriage, no thinking, lustful thoughts, um, especially when it comes to your neighbor's wife. But I don't feel like I remember what Jesus said about sex. Did he ever talk about it? No, and that's the... <laughs> I could be wrong, but from recollection i he never said thou must wait till thou is married to have sex like those words never left his mouth um and that's where i had a big question mark because jesus didn't address it so therefore <laughs> maybe there's a loophole in this <laughs> okay well let's talk about the loophole more because the last time that we spoke you were somebody who was 
you were never pushy. I've never considered you be, to be somebody to say, this is the right way, this is the way, but you were very clear that celibacy was your way and that abstaining from sex, even though it was really difficult at times, had always proved to be positive for you. Did that shift and change? And how would you reflect on celibacy today? Okay, so during my celibacy walk, I was looking to others for inspiration. So I had a friend who was also pursuing a celibacy walk. I read the book by Megan Good and Devon Franklin on celibacy. I had a few, actually, I have a few other friends that were Christian. I want to say quiet Christians because nobody knew that they were also celibate until they were married. And I was like, oh, it's worked out for them. I wonder if it would work out for me. And my question was, if I, if I save myself, will I end up with the happily ever after? And I remember I would have these conversations with you and your response is, I don't know if God is as transactional as that. And I couldn't help but think about that as well as the definition of sex and where it falls in the spectrum of sin, because we're all constantly sinning. Um, some people are eating pork, shrimp, whatever, tattoos, masturbating, whatever you want to quantify as a sin. So why is this one a greater sin than that? Why would I be punished for this? And it, for me, I have to do a lot of questions and I have to find my own answers through my own experience. And when I, was celibate alone it's super easy like there is no temptation because there is no physical being within my circle to be tempted by it wasn't until i started dating that i was like oh and when i finally met my now husband i was like oh is he or isn't he it either way we have lots of chemistry and i was doing my best to be celibate and it was like self-inflicted torture because on one hand, I want to do this, but on the other hand, I'm holding back and I don't know why. Because There's a part of me that is thinking, I got to wait till marriage, but what is marriage? How has the definition of marriage from biblical times tr transformed to now, which is more of a paper transaction? So I was... <sighs> I had a lot of questions and ultimately I found myself beating myself up for like, no, you said you're celibate and why are you making out? Why are you tempting him? Why? It was so, it was so back and forth. But in that process, I saw the hurt that I was doing to myself that I was like, this is not okay. You have to choose one. So I was like, ah, we ain't waiting till marriage. <laughs> <laughs> And when you didn't wait till marriage, how did you feel afterwards? I felt, I still felt conflicted. There was, oof, I don't, I can't remember the exact timeline, but there was several months, let's say, several months of like, uh, like a bit of a failure, but I also didn't want to have marriage as a dangling carrot do you see where I'm going with this? I know exactly where you're going with this. Yes. That Some Christians are so damn horny that they will rush to get married just so they can have sex. And I didn't want to do that. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this right now. In a sense, get it over with. But like, I wasn't, how do I say this? It was nothing to get over minus my own self 
torture, self-inflicted pain. <laughs> I know I had this conversation with you from when I talked to Brenda, uh, God is gray about it, because Brenda was also waiting until marriage and was going through a period of abstinence and then found a partner, ended up having sex with them that ended up getting pregnant and then had to, from that point on, redefine her relationship with God to fit sex into it because she's like, I don't want for this to push me away from God at all. So I'm, I'm curious if you went through a similar coming to Jesus, like in reforming the relationship that you and God had between sex after you had broken your vow of celibacy. God always has grace for us. So I knew that, but I was still conflicted with the, um, I don't want to say shame, a bit of a disappointment, but after seeing the people around me who essentially what I'm trying to do is avoid pain and heart heartache because I was hurt. I did have heartache and I just wanted to avoid that. And I was treating God as if I do this like before, then you're going to give me this. It was very transactional. Like if I be a good person and by good, it falls with these definitions and these actions. Therefore, you must bless me with whatever it is. And I was just like, this This is not how God operates. This is how humans operate. And when I kept that in mind, I was able to, I don't want to say justify. I was able to separate God mm. and shame. Because essentially, it's a shame that you're putting on yourself, whether it's, what the church had taught me because Jesus has nowhere about feeling awful. Like thou shalt not masturbate. Like you'd have to find the print for me because I, I don't see it. So it really had to do with accepting myself and knowing that you are good enough. You don't have to try. You don't have to trick. You don't have to do all these gimmicks to win. I love that favor. And I know this from working with you on that past video that there are people who are steaming mad right now and who are like, no, but the Bible says this, you don't get to redefine it. How would you speak to those people who are like, Maya, you are wrong. I would look up Corinthians and the passage on love. And to me, that is the definition of God. So love, it doesn't boast. It's not harmful. It. It is patient, it is kind. Those are all the qualities of God. So if you can find me a passage where God is, you know, I mean, maybe there is, but I, my relationship with God is that of has grace, is love, uh, and is kind. Now that you are married and you are a mother and you have... Well, actually, let me check in with you on that. How was your relationship with God now? Oh, my relationship with God has gone back to what it was when I didn't embark on the celibacy journey, which is God is my homie. I can always talk to God. Does God have a role in your sex life? And if yes, what is that role? Yes, God does have a role in my sex life. I pray to God to give me space and time and energy to be intimate with my husband. Like, as you know, as a parent use your your sense of time is just gone like it's been consumed by this being that needs you to survive and in that 
it's hard to not negate your partner. Um, so I've been praying for more time and energy to give my partner because it is it is hard. So I, I include God in my prayers of intimacy and sex. How crazy is that, that before your prayer was like, God, please give me the strength not to have sex. Now you're like, God, please give me the energy to bang my husband. <laughs> please love <laughs> the irony girl. <laughs> Do you feel like the shame, you know, cause I know that you were still conflicted after you knew Max was your life partner and you knew that you guys would get there eventually. So you would chose to share every part of yourself with him, including your body. But there was still some conflict that was happening because it went against what you had said and believed for so many years. Do you feel like the day you got married that washed away? Was it the day you got engaged? Is it still kind of there now? Like when does that go away and turn from this is something that I have to apologize to God for to this is something that I want to pray that God gives me more energy to do? No, I it it didn't come with an engagement. It just came with time. My view of God has matured um, and realizing it isn't transactional. And my peers around me have shown that to the women who were celibate and were married uh, and, you know, couples that have sold books based on that, it didn't work. So to me, if anything, it was reaffirming like you did pick the right doors so to speak there is no winning it's and there is no key to success there is just your relationship with god and that's unique and there is no there's no blueprint it was interesting because i talked to jared and his dad and his brother about this um which i usually do it in reverse where we do yours first and their second now it's in reverse so there was this part in it where i was asking them like what did you learn about the relationship of god's will and sex and like you, I come from Catholicism. And Catholicism is you're going to hell. Like you are separating yourself from God. This is a major sin. And what they learned at their church is that you are ruining yourself for your future wife. Like by collecting these experiences, you're gaining soul ties, you're uh, losing favor with God, you're losing touch with God, you're becoming more worldly. And as a result, when you do meet the person that God has designed for you, you are so much less, I guess, likely to have a successful relationship with them because you've damaged yourself. Um, so I'm curious, this is a weird way of asking this question, but is there a part of you that's like, even though I don't necessarily believe in abstinence the way that I did, I am grateful for not taking on soul ties or not taking on sexual partners during that time because ultimately you broke your celibacy with your husband. I, I, I guess, yes, I guess for my journey specifically, um, my attempt and failure and success at celibacy brought me to Max and I'm very grateful for that. What I think I took away from that is cutting away distractions from your life to get you to where you want to go. So if sex is a distraction, then you might want to take a time out. If social media is a distraction, take a time out. Whatever your distraction is, I'd say take a time out. But I don't believe God is condemning me or con condemns anyone for having consensual sex. Not to put this on you because you are not a pastor and you've never confided in me that you wanted to be a pastor. But as an anecdote, if you were to guide 
a homily, which I don't know what they're called these days. <laughs> they're called in Catholic church. Um, but if you were to give a sermon about sex, what would you say? Or what would you want to be said? I would remind, I don't want to, Shannon! <laughs> okay, y'all need to get right with you. Have a conversation with yourself. Have a conversation with God. God loves you regardless. Uh, have consensual, open, communicative conversations with your partner. I think that bad part is the deception. Don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to others and don't lie to God because the truth is there and you're just playing yourself and hurting yourself and others in the process. There are still a lot of Christian churches that really promote abstinence, not just in terms of a way of having a better relationship with God, but as a way of having a better life. Do you think that there's merit to that? I think what the church is forgetting is that people are so unique and different from person to person. For one person, that might be the case. Like abstain and wait, be a virgin until marriage. Like that's your path. And you're going to meet someone who meets you on that path. I would just ask you to also pay attention to other areas of your life. Are you just looking for someone who is a virgin? What other qualities do they have as a person? I feel like people get so fixated on sex that yes, it will get you to that finish line of marriage, but then what does partnership look like for the rest of your life? If you would have gone based on that criteria for looking for you know a godly man, I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna put this in here, but you were dating that guy from England who was like very Christian or Christian identifying. And then I knew yes. Max was not necessarily Christian identifying, but more like seeking and spiritual. Um, well, you can put this in here. So I, I thought of it like that, like, oh, you know, there was this person who was like, you know, kind of has the same label as me. But then as you got to know that person, they had very different values. Whereas Max had a different label, but the same values. Yes. Yeah, it was funny because even when I was when I was friends with Max, I was dating another guy who identified as a Christian. And you would think, yes, the Christians would get together and not the Christian with the non-Christian. But he had said something as a judgmental Christian. He was he like was condemning homosexuality. And it just wasn't working to the point where I was like I need to go to therapy because he has six figures. He is tall, dark, and handsome. Why am I not vibing? Why am I not into this guy? I literally sought professional help to, to fit this together, and it just didn't fit. And with Max, he literally was just so accepting and gracious with others. He didn't think himself high. I mean, it didn't come across that way. It didn't come across as I am better than he wasn't judging. He wasn't criticizing. He was just very curious, open-minded and so much fun. And I'm like, that's what I want to spend my time with. Um, my last question for you, what would you teach Saga? I know it's a long way away. Saga's not even one years old yet, but if you were to pass down information and set your daughter on a course, 
to understand sex through the lens of God, what would you teach? I would teach her that her body is her temple and to respect her body. And when she respects herself, then the world around her will respect her. And I wouldn't, I would tell her about my experience. She would actually look on YouTube and watch videos of my experience. Um, I would encourage her to, to explore what makes sense for her, but know that God forgives, God loves, and you're not going to hell, girl. <laughs> uh, but come to me. If you have questions, if you are confused, come to your mama. You can go online, but you have me, and I will love you and answer the questions I can with grace and acceptance because that's what I didn't have and that's what I wish I had from my mom and from the church. Shout out to Maya Washington, child of God, disciple of Jesus, mother to Saga, life partner to Max, and inspiration to all. You can follow Maya on her YouTube channel at Shameless Maya or follow Maya and her husband Max's inspiring and unique life as parents, lovers, business partners, and Swedish forest livers on YouTube on their channel, Max and Maya. The link for that is in the show notes. And with that being said, the show must go on. And uh oh, do I have an interesting third segment for you? So backstory, when I met my husband, Jared, he had just left the church that his father raised him in on very bad terms. So I thought, who better to reflect on this topic with than with Jared and his dad, who still very much belongs to the church that cut Jared so deeply. Don't look at me like a sinner. Don't tell me to run from my sinning ways. I don't want you to text me how my life is not adding up to biblical standards because if, if I was trying to hold my life up to biblical standards, I would have been at church with you guys. A first ever conversation between Jared Brady, his dad, Derek's Brady, and his younger brother, Cray Brady, who's been a regular here on Lovers and Friends, right after this. Hi, everybody. Oh, we're starting? Oh, we're starting. Okay. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Yeah, what it do, what it do. Uh, I'm really grateful that you guys all said yes to this. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. And it was like no hesitation, yes is all around. Yeah. So I thought that this would be interesting, the perspective of your <clears throat> relationships with God's will and sex, which I'm trying to find the correct kind of way of phrasing that, but that feels right unless it's wrong. Derek, I'm also going to look at you as like my God expert. <laughs> no, I, I think it's right. I think the it's Lord's right. The Lord's will and sex. Because the other two are heathens. <laughs> <laughs> well, then let me, um, can I just start with like a, I thought it was interesting because you guys are f father and sons. Right. And religion's a big part of your relationship. Sure. Can you give a bit of background? Yeah, so we grew up uh, Christian, um, non-denominational. Uh, for other Christians, they know exactly what that means. They know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think you started going to the church when I was nine years old. No, actually when you were five. When I was five? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe in my memories only, yeah. only with nine. Yeah. Um, and then you were born. born. Yeah, you were born into the yeah, church. Morning. Yeah. When you were first introduced to the concept of God and sex, what did you learn? So my first introduction was um, we used to do like before church would start, you would meet up with like a group of five, you know, five men uh, around your age 
and you know people would talk about their struggles with their purity so sex conflicted with purity yes so like it was more or less like you know i'm trying to keep myself pure from any type of you know sinful thought of a woman or me doing a sinful act for my future wife so that was how it was introduced to me at what age is that i was about 16 you know um that yeah. was the first time that you got a notion of what God felt well, about yeah, sex? Yeah, for sure. 16? Yeah, we weren't really talking. We didn't really talk no. about sex in the house. I was just, don't do it, you no, know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I want to back up for you then, because when did you, did you grow up Christian and... I did grow up, yeah, with no knowledge, no talk, no explanation. And as a teenager um, with his mom, who I dated, like, we went through, like, high school, and um, she got pregnant. Like, she was pregnant. We got pregnant, right? At the time, did you have like a conflict in you of like, oh, if I'm having sex, I'm doing something against God? Or yeah, yeah, because like the whole notion was taught to me was like it was all about trying to make it to where you took as less baggage as you could into the marriage so that you could have like this unifying, um, clearer experience. That's really interesting because the reason why I was shocked about you because I went to a Catholic school. Mm. So for us, it was introduced from grade four, which I don't know how old it is, like eight. Yeah. You're going to hell. Mm. Yeah, like it was never like protect yourself for your relationship. It was like if you have sex, you're going to hell. It's like it's no. In our sin. church, it was all it was all about the future relationship. Yeah, it was definitely taught that like yeah, like this is against God's will. Right, and my the way I internalized it was if I did an impure act then my future self will suffer or I would get hit with the child uh, or out of Whitlock or whatever the case mm. may be. And it would be a punishment. It wouldn't be like a glory blessed situ- situation. It was like, this is your punishment because you knew better. It, it feels like that would be like, I guess in the realm of, of sins, it was very high on the list when I was growing up. That feels like it's not that big of a deal. No, but, sin, sin across the board was was not going to be good. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It was so like anything that you do that was sinful would separate you from God. So the pressure was there, but it was more so of like, like you're... Like down the line, you'll feel it, not today. No, you could feel it today, but it was just like regardless of any time that you did a sin, you were separating yourself from God, who was ultimately the one that was protecting me. And getting me ready for the future. So as as the more I separated myself, the more I would be vulnerable to to either going to hell if I were to die or for something crazy to happen in my life. Because my view on God was anytime I did something that he didn't agree with, he would almost turn his back on me. And he would be like, all right, well, you're out here wilding, so nothing I can do to help you. And the way that we're taught is that the world is like a war. And the only way that you're going to survive through this world is by having the protection of God. And, and there was always this tug and pull with every girl that I was like dating at the time, because I would I would put the intention out there like we can't do any of these. But biological drive was mm-hmm. like, no, yeah. <laughs> we're going to mess up. And then I would yeah. make her feel guilty. It was almost like a gaslighting thing because I would lead us there. And then I'd be like, why did we do this? You know, making her feel guilty. And she didn't grow up in like a Christian household. So she was like, what is happening with this guy? This guy's crazy. He must be bipolar because she would feel terrible. The way that Jared described it, I mean, Derek's relationship with God was that it didn't start until after he was born. Is that accurate to say? My relationship with God started, okay, you know, it was after he was born. Yes, because we started going to the church when we were, when he was five. So before that, I didn't have that, the level of pressure and, and the level of trying to be held accountable. I've learned 
um, a little bit more beyond myself to think of others and I had a little bit more accountability. So then though, I didn't add grace. I didn't add like experience. I didn't add life. I was really black and white. It was not anything. That kind of makes sense. It's like God saved your sex life and your love life. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. maybe it felt like it could save everybody else's Right, too. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I do remember um, the there was a there was a teen leader um, that I remember telling him like, oh, I'm struggling with masturbation, and he was like, okay, I'm gonna tell you this story, and I want you to just take it with you whenever you're struggling. There was a guy who was struggling with the same thing, and he was studying the Bible to be baptized at the time, and. He, she said he couldn't he couldn't master that so he stopped he, the day he was gonna like get baptized he was like I don't want to do this because I'm gonna fall out of grace or whatever the case may be and he was driving home and he got in a car crash and died and I remember he and I remember he was <laughs> I remember him telling me this and being like <laughs> I did not see the story going that way <laughs> no but <laughs> so, I, this is the first time yeah, I've heard this story yeah, I, I remember telling I remember telling this thing like you know when you when you are you know having a choice to sin or not. Like, God remembers this. And I'm not saying that he got in a car crash because of this, but he did make that decision today not to get baptized and not to follow Jesus. So just take that with you. And I remember <laughs> I, that was the only thing that I thought about <laughs> every time that I made, like, uh, you know, uh, me and a girl hooked up or whatever. And I was, like, on the way home, I'm like, man, I'm, like, looking at cars. Like, <laughs> I, hey, this, this, it could go down right now because I just, you know, sinned against God by having, you know, a sexual relationship with somebody. So you went to him to be like, I need help. Yeah. And he's like, well, before you think about, you know, logging into Pornhub, you know, check out this guy who died. So <laughs> <laughs> it worked uh, for a little bit. The best way to like help you get with, I mean, deal with something is like fear. But I got to say like the thing that, um, that I felt so bad and I had to sit all my sons down and apologize to them because the view and perspective that I gave them was what I was taught. And it was like, okay, if you do everything right, then God's happy with you. If you make a mistake, God's like, I'll talk to you in two months. What I realized after, after I reconciled with my biological father, there was a lot of healing that happened in me. And I, I realized the view I had with my biological father, I had with God. Honestly, I, I just would feel bad, like just doing anything. Like I remember one time I had that it and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we hadn't even had these talks so <laughs> and, uh, you know what I'm saying but um yeah I remember I was just doing it and, like I remember the first couple times like I would just be like God I'm so sorry like <laughs> like please forgive me like I know I shouldn't have done it but like please forgive me would you do it like me. Jared and like do it with the girl no I, I did not do that but um it would just be like something with myself and like and then like subconsciously I, I stopped I mean I stopped doing that but subconsciously I would still feel weird and I wouldn't know why but mm. I think that's always why I would be I would have a weird feeling after doing it. Um, but now um, it's kind of just wild and be honest. <laughs> now it's kind of just <laughs> be honest. You wilding. You wilding. <laughs> nah, now it's just kind of try not to think about it too much. <laughs> but uh, is that where you're at now? Where you've separated the two? As long as like you have your relationship with God and like you still talk to him and everything and you try and work your things out. Um, he's always going to love you still. So yeah, I just yeah. try not to think too hard about it sometimes, you know, 
Because I feel like it really can mess you up. But what it's I do like, know. What? No, I was going to say, it's just crazy because it's like we're, you know, in the when we're, our biological clock at like 15 is like everything that God made you is telling you to go uh, procreate. Yeah. Your whole Damn. biological being is like, yeah. go have sex. And then your, your, your brain is like, if I do this, then I'm going to hell. So you're in this super cycle of like battle because I'm like, I remember just being so angry and being like, why don't you update the clock? Like an iPhone thing. Why don't you update this? If you don't want me to have sex and the average people getting married is 26. Why am I feeling this at 15? So there was like this, this real like anger of like, what is going on? And then, and that's when I, you know as i got older i just started to realize like this is natural this is the this is the this is god's design is what you learned about god and sex originally wrong and if it is wrong how did you redefine it to make it right for yourself i don't think i really like thought about it and said about it and um but i think it sounds like you've just separated the two craig like they're not even like for jared he tried to bring them back together yeah and you're like there's when I talk to God and there's when I do everything else. Those are separate things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I never really sat down with myself and thought about it, but um, I just feel like, I don't know, I just didn't always want to feel bad about mm. something, you know? Like, mm. I didn't want to always feel guilty or feel like I'm doing wrong for wanting to do something for myself. Like, I felt like it's always I got to do this for God. I got to please God. I got to do this for God. And it's like, when can I please myself? I think it's interesting because I feel like you have the flip experience from them. I do. Like, even even to this day, I feel like, for me, I feel like having premarital sex, I do feel like it's sin because I read it and I saw that, right? The difference that I have in the perspective now, though, is that God doesn't hate me for doing a different experience. Is it good for you to go get a job and make money so that you have money to spend? Yes. If you don't go get a job, then those are the consequences that are of the life that you don't go get a job. I feel it's the same thing with like sex. It's like if you have premarital sex, then those are experiences that you're going to have. And it could add to you being well-rounded when you get older or not. But there's consequences that come with that. Yeah. Meaning you have sex with someone that takes advantage of you. They only did it to get this of your body. They wanted no connection with you, but they told you they did. They go away. You're hurt. And then you have to rebuild and heal. But the consequence is you had that because you had that experience. The benefit is you learn and you've grown. I, and I think for me, like my my goal and like the way that I view sex is like what's most important for me is the the teaching of the safety of it. Like the mm. teaching of like it's not a thing of like, oh, well, the consequences to having sex is that you're going to have sex with somebody who wanted to either take advantage of you or you're going to have baby like there's a lot of information and knowledge that can come with it, like how to choose a partner mm-hmm. and how to have sex. Like you don't have a baby more so than like you're going against God will. And mm-hmm. I, that's where I rub up against a mm-hmm. lot of the Christian values mm-hmm. is that like, I don't think that the knowledge around s- sex is taught. It's more like God is going to not approve. Yeah. Can I pop in for clarification here? Sure. Because some people genuinely believe that following the scripture as it's laid out does lead to a happier, healthier life. I mean, you've had three sons. Not that you can. Four. Four? 
Four for size. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you forgot Logan. <laughs> Logan, she she don't apologize right now, Logan. You, you with us too, Logan. You a Logan. You a Brady. You a Brady. <laughs> There's four in total. Sorry, yeah. you got four sons. Would you design like if you could design any of their sex lives? Would you want them to do it any differently, or what would you want for them? And then I'm going to ask you what you'd like for Ryu. What I would want from them too. is to feel like they can come and talk to me about anything. What I want for them is to be able to know that experiences are normal, feelings are normal, and they're not bad or forsaken because of them. I wish you would have told me this when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> right? These are the conversations I'm having with their youngest brother, yeah. right? Because you learn. Yeah, he he uh, he got us the catch twenty two because he'd be like, "All right, I want you, I want you guys to be athletic." Cool, be able to talk to women, be able to have manners, be able to know how to how to maneuver in life, but don't you trust no women to have sex with you. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. That's true. I can see the yeah. I can see the the, the conflict in that, the oxymoron in that. Yeah. Because uh, I raised them all to be these young kings yeah. with all these attributes, but then don't let that shine attract anything for you. What would you teach Ryu about God's perception of her as a sexual being? You know, I think for me, the, the biggest thing that I want for Ryu is to understand her body and to understand sex in general. Um, uh, and that that's more important to me. Like, for me, it's really important that you understand the biological pools that are happening to you before you interact with this said sex thing. Do you think that God has to be brought into that conversation at all? I, d I don't, no. I don't. I think one of the big things of that, too, is trust, right? Like, it's funny, as parents, we want to teach things. We teach things in a way that sometimes are in conflict with what we want them to have, right? It's like, I want my kids to grow up knowing what trust feels like, but yet a lot of parents don't give it to the kids. Mm -hmm. So then what's the example? Based on your lived experience, what's the biggest misconception about sex and God and the relationship you two. I think one of the biggest misconceptions about God is that if you don't live perfectly, he's angry at you. Yeah, I think the biggest misconception and it's personal um, that uh, he's not as petty as we make him sound yeah. like he's not worried about you as an individual. He's worried about mankind as a whole. Um, you know, he's not thinking like, oh, well, Jared just had sex. So I don't know if I'm going to give him that job that he's been asking for. Thank you so much for taking part in this episode. Shout out especially to Jared's dad, Derek Brady, who is a Christian, a father and a working actor who plays Jarvis on Bounce TV's hit TV show, Johnson. You can watch season two of Johnson premiering this summer on Bounce TV or catch up on season one by downloading the Brown Sugar app. You can also follow Jared's dad on Instagram at Derek's Brady. That's spelled D-E-R-R-E-X Brady. And I hope by now I don't have to tell you this, but the reason why Jared is so incredible at expressing his thoughts is because he has his own podcast called Enjoy the Podcast that you can listen to weekly wherever you are listening to this one. Again, thank you so much to Maya for taking part in this episode. And last but not least, thank you to all of you for going through it with me. Uh, this is going to be a difficult one, but I'm actually really interested to hear your reflections. I'm really interested to hear how this applies to your life. And furthermore, what role does God play in your sex life? Find some way to 
tweet me or to Instagram story me. I would just love to hear as many perspectives as possible on this one. Before I go, I want to address why there was no episode last week. And that is because we are now at a very interesting place in the Lovers and Friends podcast production space, wherein a lot of the guests I'm reaching out to now, I don't have personal relationships with. Obviously, I have one with Maya and everybody on this episode. But going forward, we have been trying to approach names that I think would excite you, names that I think that would be interesting, and topics that are going to go there. And those two things are not easy to combine because people who have a lot at, at stake are very particular about what they say and where they say it. So I had an episode, it was incredible, it was ready to go. And last minute, the guest didn't feel comfortable with that conversation being put out there. Um, so I'm making adjustments to try to get more great conversations and also to ensure that everybody feels comfortable with the way that they're going because new guests don't necessarily understand that what we're doing here, although we're pushing the boundaries, we're pushing it for good and we are starting important intellectual dialogues that yes, are salacious, but above all else, they're grounded in self-love as you're not here to judge the guests, you're here to reflect on your own experiences, which is why we have that third segment in place so that people get an idea of how to take the information and apply it to their own life. And furthermore, we are here to educate. So we're gonna keep on pushing our agenda and looking for people who can climb on board and who can trust the experience. And that's not gonna be easy. That isn't to say expect more missed weeks for me because I definitely had a learning lesson from this in which I now have to do more diligence of recording several different episodes so that I never am in a place where, you know, somebody can make that kind of decision which is healthy for them. And it puts us in a position where we can't speak regularly because being, um, committed to you and being reliable here in this podcast is important to me. And I do want to prioritize that. So yeah, we're in an interesting space where things I think are about to continue to get more interesting here on Lovers and Friends. And they can only do so if you continue to rate and review the podcast, because that's how we get the attention of these interesting guests. Um, and that's how we let people know that there is an active community here. As a matter of fact, you can actually leave a comment about this episode and in that comment, share your perspective on God's role in your life when it comes to your sex life while you review. So you can go to Apple Podcasts or you can go to Spotify. And those are two places you can leave a review and you can leave a rating. I honestly don't care what you rate a review. It's just more about showing there's an engaged audience. Would I like a five star? Of course. I'm not a glutton for punishment, but I'm not pushing that on you. I'm pushing you to go and make that action for me. And then, yeah, with that being said, we'll have another great episode next week and it will keep getting better together. Goodbye. Lovers and friends, I'ma take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I said, Lovers and friends, uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end. I said, Lovers and friends, uh, Lovers and friends, yeah. And I said, Lovers and friends, uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end. Lovers and friends is executive produced by Shared Entertainment, Shamboodram, and Lauren Morrison. Also produced by Two West Entertainment and Workhouse Media. Our mixing engineers are Brendan Burns and Marcus Hom. The Lovers and Friends theme song is produced by Sean Ross and performed by Jared Brady, who also does the scoring and sound design. Jasmine Henley-Brown is the executive producer at More Sauce, and this podcast is powered by More Sauce from Stitcher. 